1984 <laughs> Olympic gold medalist, Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame member, and the best Steve to ever play at Indiana. Help me welcome to the show, Steve Alford. How you doing, Steve? I'm very good, guys. Thanks for having me on. All right. So, Risley, did you want to start this off with some inane question? No. <laughs> Okay, no, go ahead. Go All right, ahead. the thing that always... I'm enamored, I'm enamored. Yes, I, I grew up, I graduated from high school in 1987, and the first time I remember seeing you, Steve, would have been in the, I think it was the Indianapolis semi-state against Broad Ripple in the Sweet 16. You played for your father, Sam, who's one of the great coaches in Indiana high school basketball history. You want to talk to us a little bit about playing for your father and just growing up in Indiana? Yeah, that was very special times, and, you know, Steve can relate to what I'm talking about, too. I grew up playing in one class, so it's very much like the NCAA tournament, the collegiate level, is that it, whoever makes the tournament, you have a chance to win it, and there was only one state championship, and what was cool about Indiana, you had over 300 high schools, and all of those high schools were vying for one state championship, and... So I'm very, very fortunate, very blessed that I grew up in a in an era and a time where, you know, winning a state championship meant, you know, you were you were literally the best in the state. And trying to compete for that, um, only getting to the lead eight, not not being able to win one was one of my bigger disappointments. But just growing up in that state at that time, I can remember my goal was was never to be an Olympian. I never thought about that. I never even really thought about the NBA. Um, obviously coach night in Indiana were extremely hot. And I can remember what, whether it was watching the 76 team or the 81 team and, and, and teams in between. Um, it was really about, you know, could I get good enough to, um, to have a chance to play at Indiana one day. And so being able to play for my father was just very special. And he coached four years at Martinsville. And then when we went to Newcastle, the first place he took me was the field house, uh, which the largest, high school field house in the world. And when I saw that, I knew that I not only wanted to play there, but I wanted to try to fill that one day. And so I can always go back and think about all the individual workouts that I did in that gym. Sometimes at six in the morning, sometimes at midnight or later, uh, that was my house for so long and, and had so much to do with my development. And, uh, and my dad was a huge, huge part of that. He's, uh, to this day, a mentor and somebody that's meant a great deal to, uh, to my success and a great deal of just teaching me the fundamentals of the game and how to play the game because I think he knew I, I wasn't going to be the strongest, quickest, fastest, jump the highest. Uh, but if I fundamentally could be awfully good and how to play the game and think the game, if I was at an elite level, uh, then I would have a chance. And um, he taught me all those things at a very early age. All right, so when was the first time that Coach Knight contacted you about possibly being an Indiana Hoosier? Because I grew up in Indiana at the same time. He got pretty much who any who he called at that point. But when did you first have contact with Coach Knight? Well, I wasn't so much contact of him wanting me at that time. But I started going to his camp in third grade. My dad was a, as I mentioned, a high school coach. So we actually cheated a little bit. You were always supposed to go into the fourth grade. But Chad Tucker and myself were coaches' kids, and Coach Tucker and my dad worked the camp. So he allowed our sons to come and. I can remember Chad and I being third graders and we had our own dorm room and I don't think either one of us spoke to each other or said a word in the entire week of camp. Uh, we were so young, but I, I went to his camp from third grade all the way through 12th grade. Uh, but it was probably, 
you know, I think when the, the interest started, um, probably late in my 10th grade year, and then uh, an offer came in my 11th when I was a junior. And here's the deal, Steve. I applied to go to Coach Knight's camp three years in a row and got my check sent back to me all three years, <laughs> telling me that they were full and they had no room for me. I tried to get into Coach Knight's camp. Down in Bloomington, and I never, I never went to Coach Knight's camp. Uh, now, never, that never that got probably would have happened. That probably would have happened to me too. I got in because of that. <laughs> but it was, it was funny. There was there was no favoritism. It was like I just got rejected, and I was a fairly well known player at that point in time in high school. And I got rejected every year, and then the, then he calls me <laughs> one day and he recruits me. He says he calls me. He says, "Rizzo, you want to come play at IU?" I'm like, uh, "I already committed to Notre Dame, Coach." He goes, "Well, you want to play at IU?" Because yeah, and, and there you go. And so I said, we got to call Digger Phelps and tell him that I'm going to decommit to come to So I'll handle Digger. Don't worry about that. Um, <laughs> high school basketball, did they make a mistake by going to multiple classes? And I, you know, I don't, I don't want to put you on the spot, but should they have stayed one class basketball? Should it have stayed one class? I'm probably not the right one to ask Steve. Uh, ask, yeah. There I, you go. I yeah. So much fun. I had so much fun yeah, growing I up, did too. knowing that it wasn't about. I grew up in an era that uh, it wasn't about um, everybody getting a blue ribbon or everybody, yeah. you know, everybody that runs just, uh, just, runs on the track and you got eight lanes and one guy crosses the finish line, but the other seven are getting the same ribbon. I just didn't grow up in that era. Um, and if it yeah. was, if I finished second, third, fourth, fifth, it was, Hey, thanks for running. But if you want to get blue, you got to work harder. <laughs> and that's, that's just the era that I grew up in. And I'm so fortunate uh, to do that. I'm not saying that I'm totally against class. It's just, I'm glad that I, I grew up to where, you know, even though I didn't win it, and Connorsville yeah. won it my senior my senior year, um, I know we played the best. I know we got bracketed, and it was fun watching the brackets. And it was, you know, that back then it was a matter of whether you played the the first game in the center state or the second game because you're going to get less rasp. And it was just it was part of the draw. Uh, but I do know the attendances were, in my opinion, the the attendance and the recognition of Indiana basketball was much greater than because you only played on Friday and Saturdays. So it was like mm-hmm. football business. People had all week to prep for these big games. And my senior year, we played Marion on a Friday night, James Blackman, who was an Indiana all-star and went to Kentucky and had a great career. We had 10,000 in the field house for that on Friday night and Saturday night, Scotty Hicks, who went to cathedral and then had a great career at Notre Dame came in on Saturday another 10,000 and you don't have that today. You, you don't, you've got build You've got incredible gyms that have been knocked down and condemned in the state of Indiana now. And a lot of that, in my opinion, was it ended up being driven a little bit with the economy years ago, but a lot of it had to do when class basketball came in and conferences changed and sectional sites changed and regional sites changed. I mean, there's been years where the Newcastle Fieldhouse um, hadn't had a tournament in it. And you got the largest, you got the largest gym in the state. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I think it affected kind of just the aura and the excitement, and enthusiasm. Not that there's not, but I just don't think it's like it was when it was just one class. No, and I got. Did, did I, you, I have did, did, real quick. Did, I, I did have you, a friend did, did, that in 1992 um, played for Jackson Dell, 
which is a small high school down here in southeastern Indiana, and they won the sectional. Yep. Now, fast forward that like 20, 25 years later, he was an assistant coach on the team that won the state championship. And I was talking to him after that, and he was like, you know, everybody here was more excited when we won that sectional. Right. Absolutely. Uh, Did you, and I, um, just, I just think, you know, now you play different days of the week. You'll play on, you know, but you'll play on Tuesdays. And, and I just think that Friday, Saturday of having all week, you know, the enthusiasm of the tournament, I think it's affected the Indiana-Kentucky All-Star Series. I think there's a lot of things that it's affected, um, in my opinion. That's just me. Uh, I'm obviously a Hoosier, and I still love high school basketball and all that. I just, I'm, I guess I'm just saying I, I'm fortunate and blessed. I'm glad I played when I played. Did you ever get to play in Hinkle? Yes, that's where we beat um, – we beat Broad Ripple yeah, yeah. in the center state in the morning and lost to uh, Connersville in the evening. Yeah. That, See, all of our – we started – our play. sectional was Hinkle sectional. Our regional was Hinkle. Our semi-site was Hinkle. So, all of my high yeah. school was, was all – and you talk about what a treasure that is to get to play in Hinkle. Yeah. I mean, and we – you know, we put 17,000 people, you know, in the right. stands for the sectionals. And it was it was truly a treasure to – because, you know, I played against Woody – you know, I, I played against right. Landon, yep. um, you know, Antonio Martin. I mean, some great players were Tim all Johnson. in that sectional. Tim, <laughs> Tim Johnson, well, who ended up beating us in Cotton. And then uh, from Aurora. Then the, state tournament, then the state tournament was Market Square Arena. And if you didn't make yeah. it, you know, the teams that didn't make it to the state, all those teams still went. And so you had – you yeah. had four high school teams. You had four high school teams competing that day, and you had 300 other high schools that had their teams there watching and hanging out in Indy, and just the the aura of that one state championship. It was on TV. It was just uh, it was a happening, and I think it was yeah. Indiana high school basketball had their own March Madness uh, that was at a very high level. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Move on into your championship year because it's kind of a you know it's kind of a prelude to uh, the Final Four going in here, and um, take us through. You guys, I'm looking at your record now. You guys didn't have the crap we had in '81. You guys were pretty good all year long. I mean, you're, you're down here uh, winning a lot of games, and we're losing a lot of games. We're seven to five at one point. Coach Knight, as you know, Coach, he's going ballistic on us every day isaiah and him are fighting tooth and nail how how was your relationship with coach because you were the you were the leader of that basketball team bar none how was your leadership and responsibilities with coach um for that whole year did he rely on you or did you have to fight him because i know isaiah and him fought infinitely yeah, you know, I was a coach's kid, so I I didn't fight coach. I kind of understood it. Doesn't mean I liked it at times. Uh, just like when my dad would get on me, or my dad would discipline me, or kick me out of practice. But I had a respect for it, and even if I didn't understand why, uh, I just accepted it because the, the coach was coach, and I was a player, and so I always respected that. So it wasn't it wasn't really about going head to head with either he or coach Knight. It was. My senior year, I, it was for sure coach. Coach and I think, I, and I had an understanding that if he wanted to get on Daryl, uh, I wanted him to get on me. 
because I, I thought I could handle that maybe better than what Daryl and I knew the importance that Daryl had for our team inside, especially now that we'd added Dean Garrett, who we desperately needed a big, and that freed up Daryl to be more of a power forward, which is where he needed to be. Um, so it was things like that that I think there was an understanding. Um, our losses were just um, the four road losses. We had lost at Vanderbilt in the non-conference, and then we lost at at Purdue, at Illinois, and at Iowa. So we, we were pretty consistent that year. We didn't have a – I think the Vanderbilt game was – I think that that flight back might have been the – the worst, the worst experience of the senior year. But um, other than that, um, you know, it, it was a pretty consistent season to where I thought we were getting better, um, better every year. You know, Joe's class, that whole class of Hillman and Sloan and and Cree Smith, and that whole class got redshirted uh, prior to that. So they were like old, old juniors, and I think that really helped our team as well. Yeah, and you talk about that team going into the NCAA tournament in 1987. You get to play the first two rounds at the Hoosier Dome. That had to be a great experience for you. Well, and it was. It came down to the last home game. We had to beat Ohio State at home, and Purdue had to lose at Michigan. And because that happened, Purdue and Indiana both tied for the conference championship. And because it was a co-championship and we were ranked higher and and those type of things currently at that point of the year, we were able to get the number one seed, and the number one seed kept us in Indianapolis, Cincinnati. So our route was Indianapolis and Cincinnati, which was obviously a a great route to have when it came to our fans being able to come to the games. Yeah, and playing at the Hoosier Dome in front of that big of a crowd, was that – did that put more pressure on the team? Because I remember the Auburn game. I think you guys were down by double digits early in that game. We were. We beat Fairfield pretty easily uh, in the first round. Uh, and domes are different. You know, that was really the beginning, I think, of the domes. Now they they use them all the time. But um, a lot of play, you know, just like rules, I think players adjust, coaches adjust. But playing in domes were kind of relatively new. And so I, I think just the, the vastness of it, and we had such a huge crowd. It wasn't so much the, the pressure of the crowd. It was just trying to handle – that kind of crowd and that kind of building and Fairfield went really well. And then Auburn kind of punched us in the face to start the game. And, um, one of coach Knight's, you know, famous timeouts. He just, uh, he has a way of getting you to, uh, snap your shorts and, um, start playing at a different level. And I can remember coming out of that timeout. I have no idea if it was the second media timeout or what it was, but really from that point on, you know, it might've been a, 25 to 30 point turnaround from that point on yeah because if i remember was a dean carrot that got in a confrontation with one of the auburn players and that seemed like it kind of changed the momentum of the game also right but i think dean probably got a little fired up because of a certain timeout that we had everybody <laughs> got on a little bit of an edge after that timeout <laughs> oh all right so, what was it like playing Duke? Because I think I'm not 100 percent sure, but I think that was the first time Coach Knight had coached against Coach Shashevsky. Yeah, you might be right. Um, and I, I was at the beginning of the Duke uh, of when Coach Shashevsky was going to start his run that has you know continued for all these years. And 
Um, I had a chance after being let go at uh, UCLA, I had a chance this winter to go spend a couple days with Coach Krzyzewski and wow, what an incredible culture and what he has going on at Duke is, is very, very impressive. And, and I was at the beginning of that. I was with Amaker and Snyder and, and those guys, uh, King, very, very good basketball team. I think we won 88-82 in what was a, a really, really good basketball game and a tough game. Uh, and then we have to beat LSU at the buzzer. Um, Daryl has a 12-footer from straight on and just misses it wide right. And Ricky Callaway grabs and lays in, and Ricky ends up being from Cincinnati. And you know, so it was just um, it was uh, you got to be lucky at times. I always told Daryl, I said, if you miss that short or long, we probably don't win. It was a good thing you threw that thing right uh, all the way to the right side. Was Dale Brown still coaching LSU in '87? I, I don't yeah. even. I can't yeah. remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Knight, Knight had yeah. no. He had no affinity for Dale Brown <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> that that was from '81. I mean, I, I remember th- there were only a few coaches that the coach didn't really like, and Dale Brown was probably at the top of that list of all people. He just <laughs> didn't have an affinity for in any way, shape, or form. But yeah, so there you go. So then you go on and you play, you play UNLV, and they're like the best team in the country right now, are they not? Well, they had a tough – we thought we could have been Iowa, who had, we had split with them during the year, and Iowa was very, very good, um, could really score the basketball. And, we, and Iowa had them down big, and UNLV came back and beat them in the second half. And So UNLV was a one seed. We were a one seed. Um, and they, I think, might have been number one in the country at that time. Um, mm-hmm. and very, very fast, played the game at a, a high tempo. And uh, Coach did this uh, several times throughout my career, but two in particular. I remember against Carolina my freshman year when we upset Carolina in the tournament. Um, he talked about, hey, we're not slowing it up. Because at that time, I went through different eras. We had no shot clock, and we had a long shot clock. We had no three-point line until my senior year. So there was a lot of rule changes in my four years, and a lot of people thought we would have – held the ball against Carolina and coaches like, no, they're going to run. They're going to trap and we're going to throw over the trap and we're going to get every shot we want. And, and he was right. And we did those things. And then I can remember going to the final four. He said, people are going to think we're crazy, but we're going to run with the running reps. We're going to, we're going to play in an up-tempo game and get after it. And we did that and we were able to beat them. You know, the game was in the nineties and we were able to, to get a really good win of, a game playing really at the tempo that the Rebels wanted to play. Yeah, and that was a game that I remember Mark Wade, the UNLV guard, who was one for six in the game, didn't even look like Knight even wanted to guard him unless he was within 10 feet of the basket. Well, we didn't want to guard him. That's why he had me guarding. So um, (laughs) the the plan was don't don't guard him. And the, the, the best player to say don't guard somebody was probably me. So... Um, that was my, but now Mark still had about 16, 17 assists in that game. Uh, but we just, we knew that Freddie Banks, who was a great scorer. Um, I mean, they had some really good players, patio. They had a lot of really players and arm Gilliam. So we just wanted to try to help off of Wade as much as we could, but, um, we didn't win that game because we were locked down defensively. I don't think we were, I always told coach this when we talked, I'm like, I don't feel like of all your championship teams, we weren't one of your better 
better defensive teams. And he looks at me and goes, you think? How long did that take you to figure that out? And so we weren't known to be that defensive team, but I do think we were one of you know his resilient teams that if you look at our run, it was a team that just found a way to win that, that last four-minute game. When you came out of that last media timeout, we were really good winning that last four-minute game. And we had to do that against – uh, Duke, we had to do that against LSU, we had to do that against UNLV, and we had to do it again against Syracuse. All right, so going to the international championship game, what was the Sunday? I mean, preparation the same as it normally was for the team? Oh, yeah, and Steve would tell you that it never changed with Coach. Uh, it doesn't matter yeah. if you're playing for a championship game or you're playing in the Hoosier Classic or you're playing opening night or uh, everything's the same. Um, Coach is a, a military guy. Uh, that's his love and so it's all about discipline it's all about a routine and so you know we were one of the, I think the last team to even come to New Orleans or a lot of teams you're, you're reading about teams now the games aren't till Saturday but teams showed up on Wednesday of this week they got there yesterday um, we didn't do that uh, we, we did it just like we did a normal road trip and and so this the, the Sunday preparation was the same yeah, I'll, I'll attest to that. In 81, you know, of course, that's the day that Reagan got shot. And I'll never forget, and we've had this, talked about this before, um, Knight immediately gathered us all up and took us out of the hotel and took us away from televisions and got us over to a high right. school gym and just got us away from the media. So we, we, we were just focused on basketball. I mean, we were going through our normal routine. It's like he didn't want us laying in our hotel rooms. He didn't want us doing anything to where we could sit and – Concerned about, you know, as far as he was concerned, we were playing the game that night. And you know, they canceled the Oscars the night in 81 um, when Reagan got shot. And we, we went right out and stayed so focused. And I, I think that's the reason we beat North Carolina. Because, you know, they, they had Worthy. They had uh, Perkins. They had Al Wood. Um, they, had, they had Matt Doherty. They had Dean Smith. They had a yeah. great team. But we were so focused. And it was Coach that just kept us so focused on what we were doing. And right. he, he immediately eliminated all the distractions. And, and we were on a bus. And we went to a high school. He put cots up. We all laid around on cots, practiced, ate some pizzas, you know, got pregame meal and everything like that. But he was so regimented and disciplined in that and keeping you on track of what you needed to do. That was great. Steve, is, is he – is Knight probably I, – I think he is. And you're a coach and you – obviously played against coach against many great people. Is he probably the greatest bench coach you've ever seen in terms of just being able to coach a game during a timeout? Yeah, I, I think he just keeps it simple. He doesn't get rattled. Yeah. You know, that's the thing that I've always tried to learn from him. And I've always, uh, when he was, even when he's coaching at Texas tech and I was in New Mexico, I would go see him a couple times a year and, and just sit with him. Uh, and I always wanted to watch him work in a film room because I, I thought, Nobody in the game could watch film the way he does and then prep his team. Every coach watches film, but he, he just does it differently. He sees things that the normal person watching the clip doesn't see and, and the way he just sets his teams up. And I, I think that's the thing. You, you know, I don't think you – I think you learn as you're there, Steve, and you probably the same way, you know. Right freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, it, it, the time you're senior just becomes part of the DNA. But I can remember my freshman year, we played Illinois State. I think it might have been one of my first games at Indiana. And I can remember calling my dad or talking to him afterwards. And I'm like, the game was over. It was my first game. So I'm like, dad, 
we knew their stuff better than they knew it. I mean, we're, we're, we're yeah. out there defending their stuff better than they're running their stuff. And I, and I just think that was what really made coach was that he stayed in the moment. He was a great defensive pre- preparation guy, but I can remember having big nights. I can remember uh, he, he did similar things that my dad did to me in high school. I'd come off a really good game and coach would blister me the next, the next day in practice because he's like, you know, I don't, yeah. I don't care what you did yesterday. You know, now we got to focus on what we're doing two days from now. And, and he just had a really good sense as a coach to keep you in the moment and focused on getting better that day. And I, and you know, sometimes you don't appreciate that as much when you're playing uh, as you do years down the road. And, and I know the thing that I appreciate probably most is that uh, he made me better every day, even if there was a day I didn't want to get better. Right. Did you guys keep the notebooks? Did you, did he have you guys keep notebooks? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah we had the notebooks yeah. every, on, on practice. You took them out on the court with you. You're right. So, you know, the legend of that, right. you, you had a notebook yeah. and you wrote everything down and he had class. It was class. Yeah. And right. akin to what you're talking about, I remember I, I, when I speak to people about IU basketball, I say, you know, your freshman year, you're like, you're in awe of everything. You're playing in front of 18,000 people. You're playing in assembly hall. You're playing on television. You're, your sophomore year, you've gotten yelled at. You're scared to death. It's like, oh, my God, I'm going right. to yell at. I don't know why I'm going to yell at, but I'm going to yell at. Your junior year, you're kind of like scratching your head going, you know, I've kind of seen this somewhere before, but I haven't quite figured it out yet. Then it's like your senior year, it's like, Ah, you're laughing at the freshman, sophomore, and juniors because they haven't figured it out yet. Is is how the motivation right. goes and how Coach Knight worked, and and that's the whole systematic system of of how he operated. But th- there was a total method to his madness of everything that he did. Right. He never right. flew off the handle. I mean, he he is there was right. methodology in everything that he did. I mean, Ollie, yeah. I think when he threw the chair, he may have gotten whacked out for a minute and through the chair. That's about the only time that I think I can ever say right. where I thought he really just kind of went wacky there for a second, but there's a tremendous methodology to, to what he did. So you get to Syracuse and now you're in a championship game. What's, what's your thought process here? Uh, you know, these guys are ranked, what, number two in the country, I think, or, or there yeah, are two seeds in the country. What, yeah. I can't remember what they're yeah. ranked, but just, I'm on Wikipedia, so I've got it. So, yeah, <laughs> I keep telling Risley that Wikipedia that is not a great them. source. So. Yeah, they just beat Providence, so it was a phenomenal team. It was just a great game. You know, it was close throughout. There were several lead changes, but I don't know if anybody got up more than five or six points. So it was uh, it was a game that was just tight throughout, and we were fortunate enough that. They missed enough free throws in that last four minutes that gave us an opportunity to have Keith heroics at the end. Yeah. And then it's like, do you, what I tell people is what I wish is I had the opportunity to go back and do it all over again. Um, when again, because if you're like, if your team was like our team in 81, there was so much just focus on the next game. We never got beyond the next game. Is that kind of the way it was for you guys in 87? It's like, just win the next oh, game, yeah. you know, survive in advance. Yeah, just don't worry about anything. Just win the next game. Let's get this one out of the books and move forward. And you kind of methodically move through the whole process. Then all of a sudden, the game's over, and we beat North Carolina. And it's like, and you guys beat Syracuse. It's like, damn, we just won this thing. 
And right. you, you don't understand right. how much of a treat or how much of an honor and privilege that is to have done that. Is that kind of the same feeling that he brought with you guys? Oh, yeah. Yep, exactly the same. Yeah, he was really good. Yeah. At, I hear coaches, you know, now talking about win the weekend and, and things like that. Yeah. Um, no. You know, I think all that, all of that is, you know, Coach Knight just, you know, it was one game. You know, I don't, he never talked about a bracket. He never talked about here are our next two opponents. He never, it was, it was literally like we might as well have been in the Big Ten playing at Illinois and at Purdue. And yeah, it didn't matter. It, we're we're going to beat Illinois, and that's our focus. And, you know, then we'll talk about the next one later. All right. Yeah. So one thing uh, I want to talk about before we let Steve go is the 1984 yeah. Olympic experience. And Coach Knight was the coach on that team. Uh, you want to talk to us a little bit about showing up for the first practice? You see Michael Jordan, all these guys on the court. What went through your mind, and what was that experience like for you? Yeah, probably the trials were even more of an amazing uh, deal to me. I remember getting a letter, and I was in the dorm at the time, my freshman year, and the only letters I ever got in my dorm mailbox was you know, from my mom. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I got a letter in there from the Olympic Committee, and I'm one of 77 guys invited to the trials. And to me, that was just an incredible honor in itself, and I was just excited about that. And it just so happened it happened uh, the trials were right there in Bloomington and um, right there in the field house. It's a con- connected to Assembly Hall, and they put up all these scaffolding for like, it looked like football practice to where the coaches could stand way above the courts. And we had four or five courts going at once, and you know, the, the people that were at that trials that didn't make the team from Roy Tarpley, Mark Price, John Stockton, Carl Malone, Reggie Williams from uh, Georgetown. I mean, it just it, it just went on and on and on of how many great players, uh, Danny Manning, uh, great players that were there that ended up not making the team, which was just, it got real surreal quick. But I can remember how fun that was competing in that environment, and I just continued to make some cuts. I think early on I made some cuts uh, strictly on shooting, and obviously my co- my college coach was the, the Olympic coach, and that probably helped me in the early rounds of cuts. And then as, uh, as it got closer to getting the team finalized, I just played real well. We, we, we were able to uh, – I shot the ball at a high level, um, I was taking care of the basketball and do my role. Um, you know, anytime I was on Jordan's team, I got him the ball and got out of the way. So I wasn't trying to overstep anything. And then I think there was that, that other piece to it, uh, that having me on the team would help the other guys understand how coach was and what to anticipate as we went through the summer. Um, so I was fortunate, you know, and as I worked through and navigated all of the one of the neatest things ever happened to me in my entire career was to be able to uh, actually started the gold medal game and to be a starter in the gold medal game against Spain was something I'll never, ever forget. But I was a big, I was a traditionalist. I just love pickup games. I mean, I, I grew up again in the era where you played out on blacktops and yeah. uh, city court. Yep. And if you lost, if you lost Dust the bowls. game, you set out for, you, you set out for 40 minutes, no matter who your name was. And Mm-hmm. who you were and today these kids growing up today they 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 can lose three games in a row and they're still playing back in the day that didn't work you you kind of learned what losing was a little bit differently and 
and playing pickup games with those guys or practicing in trials and then as the team. That was just a phenomenal experience. And it was just a great group of guys um, that I got a chance to hang out with uh, all summer long. We played, not only were we 8 0 in the Olympics, but we played NBA All Star teams throughout the, the state traveling and preparing for the Olympics. And we won all seven of those games. And there were obviously a lot of great players that played against us during the summer, and and that was a tremendous. Wait, we, we we played you guys. Did, did we play you guys at Assembly Hall? Did, didn't they have a bunch of former IU players come down in '84 and play you guys? Uh, I think yeah, I think we had one in Assembly Hall. We had one in Iowa City, yeah. Minneapolis. We yeah. played in Connecticut. Um, yeah, you had one in the Hoosier Hoosier Dome. Dome, too, I think. Yeah, the one yeah, 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 was like sixty thousand people. Sixty thousand people. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, but I think yeah. we did one. Was, I had just come back crazy. and get married in, in Hawaii. My wife and I, 35 years ago, had gotten married, and we came back, and I was asked to come down and play in that game with Radford and a bunch of the old guys, the, the older farts, and Scotty May and all those guys. I remember playing you guys. And, yeah, I, 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 did you guys win that game? I don't even remember. Hell, I don't know. I got to play. Yeah, we, it was a, no, yeah, it was a team that never lost. So it was. There you, you know, go. Was, yeah. Uh, that was a that was a fun experience playing with those guys. So uh, the, great, the greatest thing that good. happened to me in my career, the greatest thing that happened to me in my career was there was no three point shot, and or I would have sat a lot more than I already sat. because so. <laughs> I'd have fired one up, and coach would have said, "Risley, you're not Kitchell. Sit down." <laughs> you wouldn't have shot All a three right. pointer, Steve. You know that. Uh, real quick, <laughs> let's get your opinion on the final four coming up, Steve. Who do you like? Yeah, that's a hard one uh, because you got uh, there's a couple teams that you know got in by playing really well and that you probably didn't think were going to make it, but now they're they're not hiding from anybody. You know, Texas Tech is a team that it might be playing as well as anybody right now. Them and Michigan State probably come into the thing playing at, at the highest level, and yet you know Virginia seems to be on a destination because of what happened last year. Um, you know, Auburn has beating all the blue bloods to get to this point. So you got different stories with all of them. So it's, I think it makes for a real intriguing, you know, final four of how all this sets up. Um, Cause you got different styles. You got a Michigan state team that likes to, to rebound and run. You got tech and, and Virginia who really like to play at a slower tempo and grind you out defensively. And then you got Auburn that likes to fire threes. <laughs> so it's really going to, you know, it's really, I think, going to determine on what kind of style is presented in, game, in each of the games to see who will advance. Well, I just want to bring up Risley picked Villanova at the start of the tournament to win it all. Uh, <laughs> I like Jay Wright. Well, there's a lot of brackets. There's a lot of brackets. Lot of, I know. I'm done. I don't. <laughs> hey, Steve, one last question. Yeah. How's your relationship with Coach right now? Are you guys, are you guys in, in good fit? I haven't talked yeah, to Coach in about a year great. and a half. Is it yeah, good? Yeah. Been, How's he doing? Is he doing yeah, okay? It's, it's been good. Yeah, you know, I think um, yeah. yeah, it's good days and bad days probably, but um, you know, yeah. he called me right after um uh, I got fired at UCLA and we had a great talk and um he gets you to laughing and um I'm looking forward to some of us are gonna go see him here in the spring. So um yeah, he's been he's been a tremendous friend and mentor to me. So yeah. I greatly appreciate him. Yeah, and I, I too, you know, I've got a cell phone number, and I, I, you know, Abers, I get a phone call from Greeno or Abers or somebody, and 
we always would have uh, he would come in he'd sneak in Indianapolis quietly. He would have he would call players and come in and have dinners and it was just a hamburger joint, um, working man's working man's friend or something like that it was called and we would come there and, and we would close the joint down and he would just, we would tell stories and I got into that outer inner circle. I'm not in the seventy the seventy six circle is the inner 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 circle. You know, Buckner and May and Benson and those guys. That's as closest and, and but I got part of that and I had the most fondest memories of, of those moments, more so than ever playing for him. Um, so I'm glad to hear that your relationship with him is good and strong because uh, you know I think the world of the guy. Um, I hate that he gets beat up a lot um, for no real particular reason, um, but yeah, good to hear. Yeah, well, I appreciate it. Well, hey, thanks for having me on. And hey, a lot Steve, having me on, so I appreciate yep. you doing that. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. We'd love to have you again sometime if you want. All right, thank All you. Right. Thanks a thanks lot. Thanks a lot, Steve. Okay. Okay. Thanks, Steve. Right. Bye bye. All right, so, Risley, at least 